0: Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and as I always like to do, a little of what's coming up. For our inbox, we have a guy who really liked a girl in high school, but she turned him down for a date. Well, it's been years since then, and he is wondering, is now the time to maybe circle back and see if... Something could transpire. Um, He's asking for some advice, so I'm going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, author and pastor Carrie Newhoff is back with us to share about a new book that he has written titled At Your Best. This is going to be part one of our conversation where he's going to discuss things like why many people resent their careers, offer some ideas for managing your time, as well as eliminating distractions. So stay tuned. Well, time for our roundtable, and uh, we thought it would be fun, especially, you know, we're in a new year here, and a lot of people are like, how is this year going to be different than the last? And we thought it'd be fun to talk about serving in our communities. And lest you think that this is just going to be 20 minutes about badgering you into volunteering for something, <laughs> I mean, maybe it will be, who knows, I don't know what my panel will will talk about. But anyway, no, what we want to do is get creative in what it means to actually have a presence Right where you are, and be an influencer um, really for the sake of the gospel in so many ways, in loving people and in really representing Christ in your community and beyond. And so, I have got Paige and Ashley and Doug here. Hey, y'all. Hey, Lisa. Good to have you. Okay, well, let's start out by just talking. This is so interesting that we're doing this conversation now because I just finished a book uh, titled The Insider that's really about you know, how God has put us places for a reason and given us opportunities for a reason. And it's not, I feel like we often overextend ourselves of like, what do I need to be trained in, or go out and do, or be like, go, you know, talk to people that I would never otherwise talk to, and we just make it like so difficult, rather than looking around us and saying, what are kind of some things that I'm good at and excited about, and what's right in my community where I am that is kind of a good fit for me, and so I know you all are involved in a number of different ways, and have been in the past, are now, and so we want to kind of get some great ideas from you for this, so um, let's start by just talking generally so so people know the frame of reference of where your experience is um let's start with you Doug. Talk about just where you're having the opportunity to plug in to uh, the community that you live in right now and and kind of how long you've been doing that
1: Yeah, so I do uh, a couple of things that i I really enjoy doing, and one is uh, i'm a a fatherhood coach for the local pregnancy resource center and um You know, it's kind of interesting, you don't, guys typically don't see opportunities at, and a lot of pregnancy resource centers don't offer this, but um, our local one does, and it's the opportunity to speak into the lives of the men Hmm. who fathered these children, and really really find it rewarding it's uh it's a super fun thing to do
0: that's cool well i'm going to want to hear more about that ashley tell us about what you're involved in here in the community yeah it doesn't sound
2: as glamorous as what you do <laughs> of course but uh no my family and i have found a little performing arts ministry at a local church it's not a church that we attend but it's near our house and my kids and my husband and i all perform in different shows we do mostly musicals where we can reach out and uh, just worship God in in the performing arts talents that he's given us. That's cool.
0: And it is interesting. I mean, I find that the performing arts and theater communities within cities and stuff tend to be pretty tight-knit. And you, I'll notice even on my social media accounts, I'm like... How in the world does this guy know that guy? And then I'm like, oh, they were in a play together. Uh-huh. or They did, you know, all of a sudden you find people that know people who know people who know people. Absolutely. It's very cool.
3: All right, Paige. Most of my volunteering in the community is through my church. I'm a small group leader for both junior high and high school girls. Um, I've been doing that for a couple of years now. And then I also try to make myself very available for babysitting for people in the community and in my church. Um, I don't need the money so I can do it affordably or even for free and just help families out that way
0: yeah that's really fun that's awesome that's cool Um, yeah I found that you know historically I've done different things Um, I used to be here in town part of a group that was called food for thought and it was just a group of people from varying worldviews and we got together we signed up um, I can't remember who organized it, but you would sign up and you'd get assigned to a group and then you would meet once a month, usually for like a potluck and then talk about some issue of the day. And in my group, I was the only Christian. And so it was really, it was very funny because um, the the people I got to know in that group, you could just tell that there were so many preconceived notions about Christians of like, you're going to be crazy and you're going to be, you know, and then just getting <laughs> to know them and uh, inviting them over to my home and kind of being in that In that space was so cool so that's one fun fun thing uh, that i've done and then lately it's been much more for me about just neighboring like in my neighborhood and helping out um, finding out who's doing what who needs what Um, there was a older single lady down the street who had a hip replacement and just being able to tell her that i had margin to get her her groceries and help her with stuff and walk her dog for her and stuff like that. So I've kind of been just looking around me and being like, okay, what can I do? What does this look like? So um, that's really cool. So, well, let's talk a little bit about how... You guys, I mean, anyone can say like, oh, I'm, my life is so busy. I've got a lot going on. I mean, most of us have jobs. We have, you know, we're trying to keep up with bills. We have to get groceries. You know, we have family or extended family nearby. We have friends to hang out with. Um, other things that we would be part of. How did you even, where did the concept come from to be like, hey, I think I actually have margin to get involved in this and add this extra thing on my plate and just see where it goes from here?
1: Well, I I would say, you know, for me, and I think this is true for a lot of people, I just needed to be doing something that made me feel like I was being used by God and by, you know, just finding a sense of purpose. and And I think that's when you don't have that, it's easy to get very discouraged. And, you know, we, a lot of us deal with depression and that kind of thing. And I think that was true for me, but it's really one of those things when I get out of my own world and out of my own space and I'm serving in some way, it it really helps me feel like, oh yeah, this is what I was made for. And it always conflicts or there's always a, a bit of a, a fight with selfishness, like, because it's always easy to li- sit around and watch TV or something. And that, and I, I try to find time to do things like that too. But when you, when you've done it and you, you've kind of like finished serving in a particular evening or time period, you can really walk away. It just really inspires me and energizes me and gets me out of my head. I think, I think that's what inspired me to do it. That's
2: so. great. When I first got started with Sunrise Players is the name of the ministry that we perform with. It was selfish on my part because I wanted to be on stage and have fun. And then um, it took time away from my family. But then we learned that my kids could get involved. <laughs> and it became more like, I mean, it just was a family for us to join, a community. And yes, in within the troupe itself, we have each other. But then when we're reaching out to the audience and we're performing and we're sharing our gifts, it's awesome. And my kids get to be part of that. And I, I, being at the rehearsals three nights a week, you know, that's given us time where we can be together and we can sit in the pews and do homework when we're not on stage. And we just have that bonding time and that relationship. It's awesome.
3: Yeah, I feel like with a lot of relational ministries, gifting isn't as important as heart for it. So I think just looking around at what you're already involved in, what you already clearly enjoy doing, and then finding ways to serve there is a good way to get started. Because um, there's you know a million organizations that would love your time. And they're, oh, most of them are doing great things, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be invested in their mission. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just finding a place you can get involved in and really be on board with what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so great when you find somewhere that, one, you know, uses your giftings, but two, you know, to Ashley's point, you just really enjoy because then you mm-hmm. enjoy hanging out with those people. You enjoy serving in that capacity. Um, you know, it's very funny. I mean, I talk a lot here on the show about how just oldsters are my jam. I just love old people. I love hanging out with them. I find my neighbors that are older that might need help. I love talking to them. But I, you know, I feel like there was a season in my life where I felt shoehorned into you know, everyone was like, Oh, yeah, you're single and younger. So you better do kids ministry. And I would just be like, No, Uh, you know, or I'd like make. And haven't you ever been in one of those scenarios where you feel like you've tried something and you're like, this just is not a fit. I mean, I used to do things because like my friends were volunteering there or whatever. And then I would just feel like, No, I don't want to (laughs) go or whatever. It's so great when you finally find something that you get excited about. And you realize like, this is something that I really can contribute to and I really enjoy it as well. I mean, I don't know, has anyone had that experience of maybe trial and error in figuring out kind of where your niche is?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Going back to your previous point, I think God makes the margin when you find something mm-hmm. that you're really passionate about and you want to be part of. Mm-hmm. So, I I think that would help a lot. Trial by fire definitely. Um my husband was a pastor. And when I first met him and of course we were involved in kids ministry because I had the only kids in the church Mm -hmm. and I was in that same boat. It just was not my cup of tea Mm -hmm. and I love
3: my kids, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it was not fun. So it's not other people's kids. Exactly.
0: Yeah. No, that's good.
3: Yeah. I had a situation I thought would be trial and error and then just turned out to be great when I started youth ministry. I did not think it was for me, Mm. Um, but now I love it. I love the girls I work with and I think over time I realized, you know, the same concerns I had about them taking me seriously or them, um, I guess, respecting the input I had in their lives, that's all the same concerns they have about me. And so Mm -hmm. just as I began to do that ministry, all of the trials I thought were going to happen disappeared, and I found out that I actually loved it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I, I used to do something very similar working in um, a facility with incarcerated youth and boys. And I did that for two years and it was just so hard for me. Some people are so gifted at that and they just thrive in that environment. And I I, I really, I couldn't, I just couldn't keep doing it. And that's when I moved over to the Pregnancy Resource Center. But yeah, just very similar situations. Um, People that have made poor choices and need to be mentored, but just a very, you know, very different for me. And one, one I was able to really thrive in. So
0: that's cool. You know, it's so interesting because I think, again, this gets back to us putting so much um, weight on, having to do something big or having to do something super spiritual you know when really it's all about like relationship building because once people get to know you I mean and I think that's why you know if we think of traditionally where so many of us think ministry has to happen we think like we have to get people into a church and then build up all these programs in the church and it's like What you know, you think of the average person, especially like on a Sunday morning, what which one of your neighbors is going to get out of bed, kind of dress up because they're going to be nervous about like, how do people dress and what does this look like and whatever. And go sit with you in a church service, like singing songs they don't know, doing stuff they don't understand, and whatever. Whereas when you kind of go at it relationally on their turf often, you know, and in Paige's case, like small groups, you know, like giving just girls an ear to be like, hey, you know, maybe you can't talk to your parents, but you can talk to me. Maybe we can just talk about life. Tell me about school. Tell me about, you know, and then obviously going elsewhere and meeting, meeting needs like Doug does, um, right in a in a particular crisis point for couples, or whatever, or in the context of fun, you know, for Ashley of doing something fun and being there. I mean, I thought. Um you know, for example, like some of the, and I would love for you guys to help me kind of brainstorm some other creative ways that people can serve in their communities, um, think through opportunities, get to know people. Um, one thing I was thinking of was just even in my neighborhood, we kind of have this like social committee, you know, and and I'm a pretty social person. So I've, uh, in fact, one way I, I did this recently over the summer, I might have shared this on the show already, but we did this thing called Sips at Sunset. And it was usually a gathering at someone's house and you'd bring like a drink or whatever, and then you just talk. And I just started using the time to like start asking people questions. And I'm like, because I noticed everyone was being super surfacey, So I'm like, okay, here's a question I have for everyone. <laughs> Let's go around <laughs> and answer it, you know, and... I have a neighbor that is still talking about that to this day. I mean, just that she just can't believe that I came up with these questions and whatever. And that's just something I would do. I mean, I host a show, people. Um, anyway, so it's just fun to just say, you know, I actually really want to get to know you. Or let's do this together. Let's be on this social committee together. Or I don't know, any other creative ideas that you would have for people about ways to kind of get involved in, in your community? Yeah, I think you can start
2: small. One thing I've taught my kids to do is when we're walking into a grocery store or Walmart, we stop and see people that may have little kids with in their carts. Mm. And so we stop and we say, hey, can we take your cart for you? Instead of, you know, they try to get their kid in their seat and then take the cart back. Oh, yeah. So we, we volunteer to take the carts back. So we call it our cart ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's and good. then another way, my husband and I take walks every evening, mm-hmm. and we've been able to get to know our neighbor's dogs mostly because we have a dog. <laughs> so we get to know the dogs. And then that leads to a conversation with the owners. And we actually have a friend down there on the other side of the block that we've gotten to know pretty well because of our
0: relationship with their dogs. So it's great. You can never go wrong saying something positive about someone's dog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that true. Very true. So, okay. Good idea. Ideas. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, my daughter who's single is, you know, always trying to find new ways to meet people and I we're always encouraging her, yeah, try to find that thing in your community that you you know, you have a passion for because if you, that's a great place to meet somebody that you know may have that same passion and that's a great commonality, you know, to to build a relationship around. I mean, not that you want to go into it with too high of expectations, but just that could be a nice place to meet somebody. So,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, I had a friend I really enjoyed. She would organize these gatherings uh, where women would come together and do whatever craft craft project they were working on. And I think uh, I think a lot of people without faith can get really into their hobbies because mm. they need something. And so these ladies were all very good <laughs> at what they did, and we learned a lot from them. But she was really good at getting them to all come together because they all wanted to do their craft socially Mm -hmm. so I think finding any hobby it can be crafting or rock climbing or whatever it may be people want to do those things and then you can use that as an opportunity to outreach
0: yeah, that's great. My um one of my good friends, Kim, she and her husband are part of what's called Colorado Mountain Club. And it's people that are like legit hikers, climbers, whatever. So I would not be part of this club. This isn't for like, <laughs> let's do the four mile trail out by. I mean, they're like going ice climbing and all this kind of stuff. But Um, they, her husband especially, he's an instructor, are so good at what they do that they've had such an opportunity to really make inroads in this club and have people respect them for their craft and what they do and to mentor other people and take other people on trips. And it's just opened up so many great conversations uh, for them as well. So not that everyone has to be like professional or an expert in everything, but I think it is great when Christians can really be like, yeah, I'm actually pretty stellar at this. (laughs) I I actually want to help other people. I mean, that's a great thing. I'm trying to think of what, I don't know where I would fall in that category. (laughs) What's my (laughs) thing? It's not crafting. I can tell you that. (laughs) I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to do that. So, okay. So what are some, uh, just as we finish out here, some advice for getting over what we talked about at the beginning, that hurdle of I don't have enough time. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to like get into something and then feel like I have to back out because I don't really like it or whatever. But what are just some good ways to kind of like easy entry, give people the courage to maybe try something new?
1: Well, one thing that Paige said that, you know, really made me think is that, you know, I think one barrier is just feeling like, well, I don't know that I'm going to be good at this thing. Mm -hmm. And and you know, she said, you know, if if you follow your passion, then you know, that's a good thing. And I would just say sometimes, you know, from a spiritual perspective, just letting the Holy Spirit work in you. I mean, if you could if you go into something that um you just don't have to you don't have to let your strengths be the filter. It can sometimes, you know, God can use your weaknesses and you can be really good at something. So I wouldn't let that be a hindrance.
2: That's so, good. Yeah. I would say start with a friend or family member because that's a shared experience that you'll have, and it'll be something you can talk about, and it'll be
0: great. Yeah, that is good. Good point, you know, strength in numbers on that. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I just going along with uh, what Doug said, I think of the verse, my power is made perfect in weakness. And, yeah, there's a lot of physical and mental hurdles, but we do this with the Lord's strength, so that's an encouragement. Yeah. I
0: think also too, and I mean, we've already said this because of your examples, but just finding something that you're into, like the, you know, another friend of mine, loves thrift store shopping and she just is like oh she can find deals she loves it blah 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 so she went our local pregnancy center started a thrift store and she went there and started volunteering way got into it just because she loves being around thrift store items (laughs) Mm -hmm. so she was super excited about that well then in addition to loving thrift stores she's also super organized and super controlling so she's like oh yeah now i'm gonna get involved here and start bringing some or to this chaos and so she just found her thing one of her jams you know and she's like oh she just loves it and just seeing you know a table that's all clear or stuff that's tagged perfectly and color coded and stuff like that and i mean just conversations with people that she's had she found out that she really loved it when she thought you know her first thought was like i'm just going to go and shop there you know cuz i love thrifting and then it became like oh no okay now i'm going to jump in and and start contributing and controlling. You know who you are, my friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, you guys, these are great ideas. And thanks so much for what you do in the community and how you are contributing and how you're um, really being involved in other people's lives. And hopefully that will continue and inspire those of you listening to kind of maybe step out now in the new year and do the same. So
3: thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> California
1: you. get out. Distance got me wondering where you are right now One-way conversations got me worn down Pouring out my heart, wish you would speak a sound Don't love
0: We are here um, for today's culture segment. Uh, This week, we're kind of doing a fun thing where those of you who saw us on social, you know that we're recording this uh, as a segment for the show, but via the Listen app where we have the opportunity to have a live listening boundless fan audience. And so we're excited to have them here. But for the rest of you, this is just going to show up as a, a show segment, and so we get the privilege here at Boundless of welcoming Carrie Newhoff. Uh, he's the he's a founding pastor of a church, Connexus Church in Canada. He's a former attorney, author, speaker. He currently does podcasting, blogging, definitely um, an an expert in the leadership space and beyond. So, Carrie, welcome to the Boundless Show. Well, thank you
4: so much for having me. It's great to be back with you guys.
0: Well, wonderful. And uh, for those of you who know or who listen to the show regularly, you know that we had carry on in the past. He shared a lot of his own stories, specifically around burnout and just some of the lessons that he's learned in that space and how he's been able to to help others in that and what that looks like. And so uh, themes around that. We're going to talk today about his book "At Your Best," and again, uh, the subhead on that is "How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities." Working in your favor And so this is something that I think All of us uh, here, regardless of our generation Something that we always think That we're going to try to do well We never do it well uh, And so we can always (laughs) learn from this So Okay, well, I want to start out by kind of talking through a little point that you bring up in the book, a little anecdote or story uh, yourself, really. And you really um, started out, it was, I think you were talking to a group of leaders in Dallas, and you basically asked if they'd ever felt burned or if they'd felt burned out over the past year. And you said you got the results and were kind of surprised. Talk through kind of what the response was and what that actually meant for you as you knew that then you were going to speak to that.
4: Yeah, so you know, I was speaking about burnout, and it was a you know relatively young audience of church leaders, and uh, the the host PushPay, I think actually it was one of their events, said, hey, it'd be really cool to do some live polling. I'm like, yep, no problem, and so I had my talk ready to go, and we did a live poll of the audience, and the question was basically, over the last year, have you experienced some of the signs of burnout? And um. You know, so I keep talking and then I say, okay, the results are ready. I look at the screen and 90% of the people sitting there that day had said yes. Mm -hmm. And it just got me. I mean, I'd burned out 15 years ago and I know how painful it is. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It was nine out of 10 people in that room. And that was pre-COVID. That was in 2019. (laughs) Like we didn't even have a pandemic and everything we've been through then. And so it just underscored for me how much of an epidemic, this chronic fatigue, exhaustion with life, overwhelmed, overcommitted, overworked spiral that we're in seemed to be
0: yeah well it's so interesting because I you know and I feel like I I always kind of start talking around these issues but I really don't even know what I'm talking about because we're just mm-hmm. in this weirdo hamster wheel of I mean clearly because of the way the world has opened up to us and the way we're on social media and the way we are just we're aware of too many things and we're in too many people's business and all I hear Carrie is if I can just make it to the weekend if I can just get mm-hmm. through this this week, if I can just be done with this month or this season or this project, well, what in the world? There's no hope in that. We're just wishing for something that probably will never come. And so, what do we do? I mean, are we? Are is it a scaling back of things? Is it a reframing perspective? Give us an idea of how we got where we are. What what this? You know, like you say, this epidemic is.
4: I think a lot of people do. It's not so much dead end jobs. I'm sure you've got listeners who definitely have a dead-end job, and they're like, I hate my job, so I live for 5 o'clock, I live for the weekend. But I think it's become a life condition. In -hmm. other words, the only way I get through is to escape to the lake. The only way I get through is, you know, I have an extra glass of wine, or I'm taking drugs not as prescribed. You're medicating your pain. And, you know, it really hit me, particularly when I was writing the book in 2020, because 2020 was brutal, not that 2021 was any kinder. But, um, you know, they were brutal years. And I just heard from leader after leader, I just have to get to the summer. I just have to get to September. I just have to get to Christmas. And they kept delaying. It, and finally, it hit me. Look, that's not going to solve anything because time off won't heal you when the problem is how you spend your time on. And the problem for most of us in normal conditions isn't, you know, the week at the ocean or uh, a weekend in the mountains. We know how to relax well. We're pretty good at that. What we don't do well is Monday to Friday, like our everyday life. And so the cure for an unsustainable pace is not a weekend away or a bigger vacation or another week off a year. The cure for a sustainable, unsustainable pace is a sustainable pace. And so that's what I, why I wrote at your best. It's like, here's how you can, in your everyday, ordinary life, find some margin and find a pace that works for you so that you don't feel so overwhelmed.
0: Okay. And clearly, we're going to talk about some of those insights. One of the things that you do talk about is you've actually done you know, some, uh, some looking into some of really the people who are top performers in their field. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people that we hear about in the news. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I hear about like a Warren Buffett or someone who <laughs> Who's just like, I mean, the people here who are listening are like, that dude's old, man. And it's like, all of a sudden, we're hearing he reads like five newspapers a day and is all like putting in, you know, all these books and he's way up on what's going on. And then he does his, all his investments and whatever. And it just seems like this guy's just a workhorse. So what are some of the qualities that you've seen among top performers, people who just seem to have figured this out when you would think that of all people they would just be slain. I mean, they would be pulled in every direction, but somehow they're making it happen. What are some of the key insights there?
4: So I'll use an example. Uh, Richard Branson, never met him, would love to interview him for my podcast. But I've had friends who have been to Necker Island. So he lives on Necker Island. So my understanding is Virgin Enterprises is about 400 different companies. So you would expect a guy like Richard Branson, who's one of the 100 richest people in the world, to be like running around with his hair on fire (laughs) and like I got so much going on like don't bug me I'm going into space and we're launching an airline and a cruise ship and you know plus we've got radio stations all over North America and the world and you would expect to be busy but apparently if you go to Necker Island he comes out in a bathing suit and a t-shirt he's like hey how's it going Lisa really good to see you you want to come in you want to put your feet up like Uh, I want to head out on a jet ski. Like, what do you want to do? He is just so relaxed and so chill. And he's running 400 companies. And I use that as a metaphor for the leaders that I admire the most. They are excellent at eliminating. They're great at saying, this is what really matters. And here's 99 things that don't. So when you have their attention, I mean, I've done podcast interviews where the podcaster, and it's not a top podcast, is literally texting his friends back while he's interviewing me, and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to. You're not, you're not even focused on your own show. Mm. And a lot of like, when leadership isn't working well, a lot of people get like caught up in the scramble. But the best leaders I know, when you're on their calendar, they're fully focused. They are with you. When they're off, they're off. When they're on, they're on. But they're very limited. If you get on their calendar, uh, it counts. And I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people that when I'm with you, I'm fully focused. But I'm also focused on my wife for date night and my kids when we hang out and for some R&R on the weekend and to do really meaningful work. So – That's the difference.
0: Yeah. One of the things you say about them, I I know in the book, is you describe them as doing what they're best at when they're at their best. Okay. So how most of us don't even know when we're at our best. We're not not on regular, we don't have regular rhythms, which is another problem of modern day life. Um, And then we're, you know, again, the curse of the classic 20 something is, well, then how do I figure out what I'm best at too? I mean, Carrie, if you could just solve all my problems, maybe I can start applying myself to this. But what, what's a great way for really homing in on those two things?
4: So let's start with when you're at your best. And I've worked with a lot of young leaders. That's the majority of my audience too. The younger you are, the less likely you are to know when you're at your best. Just because life is busy, you're generally not in control. You don't have agency. Well, you have agency, but you know you're not the CEO. You're not the top leader. So you spend a lot of your life responding, and you've got you know social life with your friends. But here's here's the principle. We really only have three to five peak hours a day. And by peak hours, I mean like your energy is is high, you're focused, you're thinking clearly, there's no brain fog, there's a bit of bounce in your step. Science shows that's about three to five hours in a day. So let me give you the way we popularize it. We say, are you a morning person or a night owl? If you can answer that question, you have an idea when you're at your best. So I'm a morning person. Um, maybe some of your listeners are night owls. Actually, the stats would say most people peak in the middle of the day, let's say 10 till two or one till five. Um, but regardless, you've got this limited window where you're really at your best. I call that your green zone because, you know, everything's green. It's green light go. And, um, the key is to do what you're best at when you're at your best. So that's how you get exponential returns. What are you best at? Well, again, when I was young, in my 20s, I was like, oh, I'm great at everything. And now that I'm in my 50s, I'm like, actually, I stink at most things. (laughs) What am I? I'm really a communicator. That's what I've realized. It took me a while to figure out. So, you know, that is a thing that moves the needle when I led a church, when I'm leading my company now. So if I can use my green zone when I'm at my best to do what I'm at, you know, do what I'm best at, that's when I really start to see exponential results, because when I'm producing great content, when I'm clear headed, all those things, that's when things start to start to soar. And when I'm not, when I let it slide and that time gets squandered or I waste it or I spend it at a breakfast meeting that wasn't very strategic or I'm in random meetings that don't matter. All my most important work that really moves the needle doesn't get done. And I try to do it when I'm exhausted in my red zone or, you know, in the evening when I'm supposed to be home. And so that creates all the the chaos. So the key is to put the two together, figure out when you're at your best morning, noon or night, you got three to five peak hours. What are you best at? What really moves the needle? And then marry those two, protect your green zone so you can do what you're best at when you're at your best.
0: Yeah, great point. Okay, so in light of that, um, because you're talking, you know, morning, noon, night, figuring all this stuff out. I, You know, it has been said that there are 24 hours in the day. I would love to say that I only have 20 hours um, because I feel that (laughs) my life is just so much crazier, you know, than everyone around me, Carrie. So you got to help me figure this out. You actually talk about this myth about us blaming time, not having enough time. And you actually address in the book two very important mental shifts for how we approach time. I need you to to talk those through with us.
4: Yeah. Well, thank you for reading the book in detail. I really appreciate it. Lisa shows. Or you got great researchers. Um, yeah. So I use the excuse all through my twenties and thirties and you hear it every day around you. It's like, sorry, I just don't have the time. Don't have the time to do this interview. Don't have- I wanted to write a book all through my thirties. And you know what I told myself? I don't have the time for that. And mm-hmm. one day it hit me. It's like every person gets the same amount of time every day. You have 24 hours. I have 24 hours. Richard Branson has 24 hours. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. So it's not that I don't have the time. I I, I, about 15 years ago, coming out of burnout, I'm like, you can't get away with this anymore. You have to stop saying you don't have the time because think about how it happens with family or at work. It's like your boss says, did you get the report done? It's like I didn't have the time to do it. It's like, whoa, stop. You actually had the time. Here's the trick. Admit to yourself that you didn't make it. You know, how does it feel if you say to your boss, I don't have the time. That's an abdication of responsibility. And it's not true. It's a lie. Um, If you say to your boss, boss, I didn't make the time. First of all, everybody winces. Secondly, you're like, am I going to get fired? And the answer is long term, if you keep missing deadlines, you will. So you might as well just bump it up and deal with it. And so what I would do is, you know, when you're running behind on a project, a paper, or whatever you say, you know, I have the time to do this. And so start admitting that you didn't make it. And the same goes with language. Like, for example, when people say I didn't get a chance to. It's like, yes, you did. You had a chance. You didn't take it. And when I got ruthlessly honest with myself, guess what? When I started when I made that change, I hadn't published a book in 40 years. Well, I published five in the last 11 years. So guess what? I had the time to write a book. Now I just took it.
0: Hmm. Cool. Well, now you also say uh, one of the myths in that, you know, and this could be part of your mental shift number two, the idea of, you know, because we talk a lot, especially among millennials and Gen Z about the idea of following our passion. Um, but then we also talk about work-life balance. And you kind of have something to say specifically about passion versus balance. What what would you say to the person who's just like, well, I need to find more balance in my life, but maybe they're just saying that because they don't know what else to say.
4: Give it up, give <laughs> it up. You'll never find balance. Like, okay. just stop. And the balance people I know see if this isn't true in, in people's lives. But for me, the balance people I know, I don't want to emulate. Um, a lot of balance these days seems to be a retreat, not an advance. I'm going to work a little bit less. I'm going to do less of this. I'm going to do less of that. It's like, wait, wait, wait. I don't want my, my life to be a retreat. I want it to be an advance. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. And I know a lot of young adults do. And so that's why years ago, I just gave up after putting it on New Year's lists every year. It's like, I'm not doing balance anymore. Because what I realized is balance people don't change the world. Passionate people do. And I realized almost everybody I admire is passionate. And that, that doesn't have to be famous people. It can be think about your high school coach who was just so passionate about volleyball or football, or you know, a teacher who is really, really passionate and built into you. Or you've got a relative, an uncle who just really has always had your back and is passionate about building into to you as as a person. And I'm like, you know, I want to be passionate in my writing. Passionate in my communication, passionate in my leadership, but also a passionate dad and a passionate husband. And so uh, it was John Wesley who said, let yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. There's a lot of truth to that. So I gave up on balance a long time ago. I think balance is a myth. It's a joke. It's not worth pursuing. The few things I allow on my calendar, I want to be passionate about. I want to be fully present. So you got to eliminate a lot. But if it makes it into your life, if it makes it onto your calendar, go for it.
0: Yeah. Well, we are clearly um, in the next segment going to get to, um, or when we do our Q&A with you, we're going to get to a few other questions. But I cannot leave um, this segment without talking about distractions because, again... partially why, and I'm going to tell on myself here, why I claim I don't have enough time in the day is because I'm really just frittering away a lot of time with a lot of things. And I can identify some of my problems. What I can't do is figure out how to go after them. And so I want, uh, I want you to give us a little bit of a primer on distraction, why we are finding ourselves so distracted and why we allow ourselves to kind of worship at the altar of distraction. Because I find that it's just like, it's, it, it is very easy for it to, um, to control me.
4: It is very easy and it's easier than it was 20 years ago because now we have devices mm-hmm. that interrupt us depending on your settings all the time. And, uh, I, I probably have ADD. I've never been officially diagnosed. So focus has always been an issue for me, but I would echo what Cal Newport says that, um, what is really scarce right now is deep work the ability to think deeply, to focus, to produce really quality work. And he believes it'll be a superpower. And I agree. Mm-hmm. And so what I have, have you know, kind of realized is I'm responsible for my own ability to focus. So think about technology. Technology is not bad. I have all the latest devices. I have an iPhone 13, brand new MacBook Pro 14 inch with that crazy M1 Max chip in it. Like I, I I'm not a Luddite. But the first thing I did when I opened up my MacBook for the first time a few weeks ago is I shut off all notifications because we live in the attention economy and people make money by interrupting you all day long. Do you really need to know that, you know, on your notifications that 200 people like your Instagram photo? You'll you'll probably live without knowing that. Do you need to know this very second that there's breaking news because a sewer main burst in a town? you know, five states over, who, who cares? I mean, your house didn't get flooded. And so uh, what I've done is just shut all that stuff off. And then in my green zone, my job is to spend three to four very dedicated hours working on key projects. And that's when you move the needle. So, and you know, it, it was funny. I had, I had an event in my backyard this year and I had some great leaders around, but we're sitting around the fire And half of them were on their phones. And it wasn't fully my event, but I really wanted to say, guys, like, put your phones away. We're sitting around a campfire, talking, connecting, like, let's pay attention. And uh, I was the worst at that, by the way, 15 years ago, I had a Blackberry and, um, you know, one of the first smart devices before the iPhone came out. And I I was terrible at it. I was always on my devices. My kids were like, dad, Get away from your phone. But I felt really important getting notifications that someone emailed me at 6 p.m. and, oh, I have this technology and now I have to respond. Well, it's not the novelty it was then. But there is something about, you know, falsely giving us a narrative that I'm important, that people like me, that I'm needed. And um, actually, eventually it leads to a very impoverished life because you're living at the schedule and for the attention of other people.
0: Hmm. So true. Okay. Well, uh, Carrie, we have got more questions for you. Um, For those of you who are listening live, because those of you who are hearing this after the fact, we're actually recording this live. This is our first um, uh, try at doing this as a live event, which is kind of fun for us. Um, Would you be willing to stick around and answer some of our questions? And we will go ahead and air those as our culture segment next week on the show?
4: You bet. I'm in.
0: Okay. Well, let's do it. So um, for those of you who are, are listening uh, as part of the Boundless show, uh, just so you know, we have been talking about themes around At Your Best, uh, Carrie's brand new book, How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities Working in Your Favor. We want to make this book available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. If you go to Boundless.org, you can just search for 729. That's this week's episode. Go ahead and... Uh, Click on the book cover there. You'll it'll take you to Boundless. Give a gift, literally anything you can afford, whatever. A gift of any amount. We want to send you uh, Carrie's book as our thank you to you, so you can make that happen right now. Um, Carrie, thank you so much. We're looking forward to talking to you next week, where uh, we answer listener questions and we get down into the nitty gritty. So, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You gotta- Well, we are near the end of the show, and we're opening up our inbox, and I'm going to get a chance to answer this week's question um, from one of our guys who says, Back in high school, I really liked a girl, but she rejected me when I asked her out then. I'm now a college grad and have grown a lot in maturity and in my relationship with God. A few months ago, I started thinking about her again and am wondering if it could go somewhere. I haven't seen or spoken to her since high school, but I can't stop thinking about her. I don't want to deceive myself with false hope or be distracted from what God has in front of me right now. But I am wondering if I should reach out and see if there's a chance we could date, especially now that my faith has grown so much. Okay. Well, good thoughts here. And of course, you know, when you're circling back around and wondering, hey, what could have been? And, you know, what does this mean? Um, It's always good to ask the questions and see if there's any potential. I don't think you have to say like, oh, I've marched through this door in life and now it's closed forever. Um, that said, I think there are a few questions to keep in mind here as you're ready to approach this. And the first one is, um, is there sufficient availability in this situation? So you didn't say like how far away she lives or have you taught, you know, have, is she completely out of your sphere now? Would this be literally like digging back in the past? So what's the availability of this person and uh, proximity to your own life at this point? Secondly, is there sufficient opportunity to ask this person out at this point or even explore the possibility of this with where you are now and then finally is there sufficient reason to pursue this right now and so you know that's where you have to get a little introspective and think like what are my motives uh, for going back here like is this just kind of trying to reclaim my high school years is this kind of wishful thinking is this pie in the sky kind of looking back on that whole season with rose-colored glasses so think through those things and in fact this is one instance, people will be shocked by this, but this is probably one instance where I would actually recommend uh, doing a little more recon prior to initiating this than usual. So, you know, I'm a big fan of like, just ask her out and just make it happen, you know, whatever, and don't get into all this parsing out and research and whatnot. But In this instance, I think it could be a little bit freaky if you just show up like now post many years post high school and you're like, anyway, I want to just give this a try. Let's reconnect, whatever. She might be like, where did that come from? So... I think it's perfectly fine in the context of, you know, hey, we went to high school together and, you know, whatever, remember me, how are you doing, to kind of reach out, reconnect, get the scoop on where she is. I mean, I don't even think it's probably problematic to find out, you know, maybe a little bit of information on the front end without going into it blind. And so, um, you know, then kind of maybe posit the possibility of catching up. So again, you want to give her the chance to get comfortable with the idea that you're even trying to reconnect after all these years because you don't, I'm assuming, know where she is in life now, what the deal is. I mean, for goodness sake, is she dating someone? (laughs) Is, you know, where, where has she been in these years since you connected in high school? And so you can't assume that you're just going to pick up where you left off so get some of the necessary information that you do on that front and then get some directly from her if she'd be willing you know maybe this is just casually via social or uh, via text or something or you have mutual friends of just saying you know hey i I would be interested in knowing how you've been what have you been up to since high school Uh, how's that played out where do you live now all that kind of stuff figure that out so that you can actually approach the conversation and the redux on this normally without looking like, hi, I've been, you know, following you for the last seven years or something. And now I'm just going to pounce back into your life. That could just be a little bit jarring and weird. Um, So then when you do that, I mean, I think that after you've established kind of a level playing field and kind of figured out where you both are, if you're comfortable saying, Hey, I'd love to grab coffee at some point or I'd love to get together for lunch or, you know, or even jokingly, like self-deprecatingly say, I know I asked you out in high school and that didn't go well or that was kind of weird. But, you know, what would you say to lunch now? But again, don't make it some big deal where she has to like reclaim all her missed opportunities from high school with you. So, again, you just want to be chill about it. And ultimately, you have to be willing to hold it loosely. So, don't put all your eggs in this basket. People change, circumstances change. You know, you don't know that she's even the same person that you knew in high school. And so, definitely bathe the whole situation in a lot of prayer and be willing to trust God with the outcome. Because, again, this is not your. You're not going to live or die on this. Um, This is just an opportunity that you want to explore. Be comfortable doing that, but ultimately um, be willing to let it go as well if it's just not really going to go anywhere. So hopefully that'll give you a little bit of uh, guidance as far as how to take next steps in this direction. Again, you're just honoring her as a sister in Christ. Hopefully she is a a believer if that's what you know and that's what you remember. Uh, Of course, all of those things come into play as well, but uh, just, have fun with it. Again, find out what you can find out and see if it goes anywhere. And if it doesn't, be totally okay with that. Because again, it doesn't need to. Um, You never know where things might go or what God has for you in the future. All right, folks. Well, being in a new year, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can hop over there, find The Boundless Show, leave us a review, uh, hopefully with what you love about the show. And uh, other folks will find the show that way and be willing to give it a try. And so we always appreciate it when we can get folks reviewing the show. Beyond that, I'm Lisa Anderson, and we'll see you around next week for The Boundless Show. The Boundless
1: Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.